Good morning. Take your Bibles, please, if you have them there in the pew. It's page 1081. The passage is from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. Make your own attitude that of Christ, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning. My name is Tim Whitehead. Whoops, that would have been very bad. Um, my wife, Melody, and our family have been attending here at Philpot for a few years. Well, this isn't going to work. I, did I need to bring my own pulpit? I didn't know. Um, I would like to thank you uh, very much in the church family for the welcome you've given our family, uh, specifically the, the encouragement and help you've been to Melody and I in the ministries that we work for. Uh, I, Pastor, I wanted to thank Pastor Jan. I guess she's doing her thing with the kids, but uh, she's been a great help uh, organizing the food drive at Thanksgiving and the toy drive and all the work teams that have gone over to the Hamilton Dream Center to help Melody out. And for the uh, funding, fundraising that the Sunday School has done, uh, for the solar-powered audio Bibles that we've sent over to the Bradfords in Nigeria, to the Limas in Thailand, and for all the work days. Oh, excellent, thank you. Um, and there's a map of the church, too. Um, and for all the work days that you've done up at Galcom for me. So it, it, it's more than just the practical work as well. It's the kind of the pat on the back saying that what you're doing, what you've given your life to is of value. And, and we come alongside. And so I see many of the people that have come up to help me at Galcom. And I thank you. Thank you so very much. Speaking of being a missionary, I was a little surprised to get the request to participate in our So This is Christmas series in December. Because... Being a missionary, I need to give you a full warning. No matter what time of year, no matter what passage of Scripture, it's always going to come back to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples. So fair warning, I know this is a Christmas sermon, uh, but I can't help myself as a missionary. When uh, Pastor Russell sent me the email about what I would be speaking on the passage of Scripture, I was actually over in Thailand it was about 3 in the morning. I hadn't adjusted to the time difference there, 12-hour time difference. And I read this email saying, Tim, you're doing the meaning of Christmas. That's the, the title of the sermon this morning. And your passage is Luke chapter 2, verses 18 to 21. I thought, three verses? That's all I have? How am I going to make a sermon out of three verses? And so I started reading them and praying and thinking, Lord, how am I going to preach on three verses? A couple hours later when the sun had come up and my eyes had cleared a little bit more, I saw uh, an attachment to the email where uh, Pastor Russell and Dean and, and Ben, who were all participating in this, had a big whiteboard through the, working this way through this whole So This Is Christmas series. And, and we talked about the preparation at the beginning. And then Dean talked about the details last week and how I'd be doing the meaning of Christmas. And I saw on the whiteboard that I actually had from verses 8 to 21. 
So we're going to start there. So grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read this passage together and then uh, we're going to pray, ask God's help uh, interpreting it and and learning from it. And then we're going to take a look. So Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Father, as we turn to your word, I pray that you would give us understanding by your Holy Spirit, not just for uh, academic knowledge or for trivia, but Lord, you would touch our hearts, transform us to become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, when I first was uh, looking at the passage of Scripture I'd be preaching on, I was focused on the last three verses of this passage, which, which don't seem to kind of go together. One about the shepherds, one about, other, about Mary, and one about Jesus and being circumcised. And since I spent so much time fixated on these verses, we're actually going to start there in verse 21. And we're going to work our way back and kind of fill in from the rest of the story. Again, the the topic or the the title of the sermon is the meaning of Christmas. And I would say to you that the meaning of Christmas is right here in verse 21. And it says, his name was called Jesus. You've probably seen the cliche signs out, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, I would say to you that Jesus is the meaning of Christmas. Not just the person, but his very name. So in Greek, Jesus, that's the Greek name for the Hebrew Yeshua, which means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. That is the meaning of Christmas. That's the point of this whole story, that God has sent a Savior. Just as the angels proclaimed to the shepherds, you will find a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, the Jews of the time, they would have expected the Messiah to come, and in fact, they've been waiting for hundreds of years for Messiah to come to save them from the Roman occupation, a political savior, a military savior. Uh, In fact, the the title of the series, So This Is Christmas, from the song by John Lennon, So This Is Christmas and What Have You Done? The actual name of that song is called 
war is over. So even nowadays, we think that the Savior is coming to deliver us from some sort of military problem, to bring peace on earth, the lack of war. But I don't think that's what Jesus has come to save us from. I don't think that's what the Lord sent his salvation, his Messiah, to do. When you're looking at scripture, it's always good to interpret scripture with scripture. And so you look at the beginning of verse 21, and it has what's rather an awkward passage for us here in the West. I think we don't like to talk about things like this. And it says, when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. Why did Luke have to put that in? Couldn't we just say he got named Jesus? Oh, this kind of talk always makes my teenage daughter squirm. Why are we talking about this in church? But circumcision was the first law that a Jewish male would have to obey, albeit involuntarily. But it represented this whole list of 600 plus Levitical laws the Jews were bound to obey in their relationship with God. So I think it's important that Luke points out that Jesus was circumcised because he's pointing out that he was born under the law. So I would say that the first thing that Jesus saves us from is this burden of having to obey the law, this burden of having to try to work our way to heaven. Paul actually, in the book of Galatians, fleshes this out quite a bit more. In fact, the whole book of Galatians is all about this concept of trying to do what's right and obey the law versus this grace that comes through Jesus Christ, that God sent a Savior so we're saved from the burden of the law. In Galatians 3, verse 13, sorry, in Galatians 4, verse 4, it says that Jesus was born under the law. Luke just pointed that out. Jesus was bound under the law. We find out later in Galatians, he talks about how Jesus fulfilled the law. He never sinned. Jesus obeyed the law. But in Galatians 3, 13, it says that Jesus became our curse because the curse of the law is death. And Jesus took this from us, this curse of the law. In Galatians 5.1, he says that Jesus set us free from bondage from this law. I mean, the Jews had to obey every rule about what they could wear, what they could eat, where they could go, how they could worship, who could they marry. And this, this law was burdensome. It was actually impossible to keep. God sends Jesus Christ, and by grace now we're saved from this burden of the law. You might say, Tim, who cares about the law? Well, the law is important because it exposes something about each one of us. It exposes that each one of us has broken God's perfect law, something that we call sin. It exposes the fact that we're powerless against this sin, that we we are filled with selfishness and lust and envy and greed that causes us to act out in in all sorts of manner of of stealing and crime and, and, and sin. So I'd say that Jesus not only saves us from the burden of this law that we couldn't possibly keep, but now he saves us from the power of sin that is over us. Again, back to Paul who kind of fleshes out these ideas. In in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, he says that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. I want to explain a little bit more about death. If you go way back to Genesis... God gave Adam and Eve one rule. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The punishment? Death. Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They sinned. They disobeyed God. But if you look at the path, they didn't, they didn't die. At least not how we think about it. They, 
You know, they didn't stop breathing. Their heart didn't stop beating. So it's important to understand what, what the, the Jewish thinkers understand as death. See, that the Hebrew concept of death is separation. So when Adam and Eve sinned, when they broke God's law, they were now separated from their creator, from their father who loved them, who knew it was best for them. They were separated, and now they have this burden of this law. Now they have this burden of sin that they can't overcome. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. Um, in, in Ephesians, or sorry, in Romans 6, 17, Paul's even, Paul even calls us, calls us slaves to sin. Powerless over these urges inside us, this, this what's called the fleshly nature, to act out in sin and wrong. That's why in Romans 7, Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Jesus saves us. God sends Jesus, the Lord of salvation, to save us from this bondage of the law. He comes to save us from this power of sin over us that we're, we, we just can't break. It says in Romans 6, 23, sorry, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it gets worse. Because the ultimate punishment for sin is eternal separation from God in a very real place called hell. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. James 2, 10, whoever can keep the whole law but stumble, make a mistake in just one point, he's guilty of breaking the whole law. So you see this, this conundrum, this problem that we have, the, we can't obey the law, so therefore we're sinners, and we can't do anything about our sin, we're powerless against it, and the ultimate punishment for our sin is eternal punishment in hell. Merry Christmas! That's a great sermon for Christmas, but, but here's the point. Jesus, back to Luke 2.21. Jesus, the Lord is salvation. God has made a way for us to no longer be under this burden that we can't bear, to no longer be powerless against sin, no longer suffer the consequences of our sin, which is death, eternal, eternal separation from God. And this is the good news that Jennifer was just saying to the kids. This is the, the best news, the greatest news. God has finally sent the deliverer, the savior for us. And that is the meaning of Christmas, that we can now be saved. I don't know if we're understanding just the magnitude of this day in history. In fact, I would say that this moment, the day Christ was born, was the most important day in the history of creation, in the history of our universe. You say, Tim, that's a little extreme. There's other important days. Well, let's look at some of the characters in our, in our chapter here in our passage. Let's start with the angels. Let's see how they react to this day, and we'll see just how important it is. So let's read. From verse 9, we're just going to read this passage where the angels are here. So Luke chapter 2, verse 9 again. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. The angel says to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
This will be the sign to you. We'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now I didn't do an exhaustive study, but there are not a lot of times in the Bible where angels show up. God's direct messengers. When God has something special to say or to someone that he needs to encourage, he sends an angel a divine being from heaven. So you have uh, Abraham and Lot get an angel visit. Uh, Gideon gets an angel visit. Um, Samson's parents, Daniel. And suddenly we have it close to this story here, Zachariah and Mary and Joseph. All get angel visits. Something important is going on. But what happened in verse 13 and 14, I was looking to see, did anything ever happen like this before? And the only time that I could see in the Bible, and, and I'm, again, it's not exhaustive. If you can find another one, I'm happy to be corrected. But 2 Kings 6, where Elisha prays for his servant's eyes to be opened, and he sees this huge military host covering the countryside in chariots of fire, protecting them from their enemies. At no other time in the Bible that I could find did a host... Thousands upon thousands of angels pour out of heaven and rent the skies with a message for mankind. As Jennifer was saying, they couldn't hold it back anymore. The angels were there when Adam and Eve sinned. They, they, they saw this broken relationship between God and man. They watched man suffer and stumble along for millennia. They knew God's plan from the beginning. In Genesis 3, God says, I'm going to send someone I'm going to send the Messiah who Satan will bruise his heel, but the Messiah will crush his head. He will win the victory. And they've been waiting and waiting for this to happen. For the last 400 years or so, they've been locked up in heaven, sitting on their hands. No message for mankind. Waiting, waiting for the Savior to come. And finally, God puts the plan in motion. Mary becomes pregnant. He sends John ahead of time to make, way the, make straight the way of the Lord. It's all starting to come to fruition. They're seeing it happening. And finally, the baby is born. God has won. The plan is in place. They rent the heavens and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace toward men. They can't contain the joy any longer. I don't think we're getting it. I don't think I'm doing a good enough job here to explain just what an epic moment in history this is. What an what a important moment. Friends, we've just been saved from the burden of keeping the law, from the power of sin over our lives, the penalty of sin. The angels, this is it. No? Okay. Sympathy, amen. Thank you. All right. Let me put this in a little bit more human, human uh, context and a particularly Canadian context. All right, I, want to, I want to explain this uncontainable joy that the angels are feeling at this moment. Uh, go back with me to February 28, 2010. Vancouver, British Columbia. It's the men's gold medal hockey game, Canada versus the U.S. It's been eight torturous years that we have, as Canadians have lacked an identity we didn't even get to the championship game at the last Olympics. We're no longer the world's greatest hockey power. We don't know what to do with ourselves. It's been torture, the agony, almost a decade. 
And now we here on, are here on our turf. And in fact, this is a big moment because if we win this gold medal, the last event of the Olympic Games, we will break the record for the most gold medals ever in a Winter Olympics. We're hanging on to a 2-1 lead. Some of you are nodding. Oh, you remember. I remember where I was. I was in Nashville at a Christian broadcaster's convention. It was torture. A bunch of Americans around me. Two to one. And the Americans pull their goalie and they bang it. 24 seconds left. They bang in a rebound. It's tied. Two all. Oh, the torture. We can't take this waiting anymore. The suffering. The anguish. We start to remember all the bad things that have been happening. Back to the 1990s where in a shootout, they left Wayne Gretzky on the bench and had somebody else shoot. And Dominic Hasek and the Czech stole away the gold medal. We didn't even make the champion. Oh, all the torture and the memories from the past, the discouragement. We have to wait through the intermission. One minute in overtime. Two minutes into overtime. Three. The Americans got a couple chances. Oh, I could feel my heart go up into my chest, drop out of my chest into my stomach. Then finally, at about the seven-minute mark, Nathan, turn up the volume. Lost and loud. for our Canadians. The message the angels brought, back to verse 9, verse 10, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Everyone gets to celebrate this victory. God's plan is now in place. Jesus Christ has been born. His grace has been extended to all mankind. No longer do we have to fear the power and penalty of sin in our lives He's one. And I would say that this is even a bigger day than the resurrection. How many angels showed up at the resurrection? Two of them sitting on a bench saying, what are you doing here? Jesus has risen. Go on. Get going. <laughs> that was the victory parade. The, the incarnation is when God set the plan in motion. Unstoppable plan of God. His grace has been extended to all mankind. We have now joy unspeakable. And I pray for you that it is joy uncontainable. I want to pause just for a moment and look again at this message that the angels proclaim in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Peace. Again, back to our theme for the month, John Lennon's song, So This Is Christmas. Again, it was called War Is Over. His mind thought about what is, what is the message of Christmas? Well, peace on earth. John Lennon was by no means a Christian. Um, We'll just leave it at that. Uh, but he thought it was something to do with peace on earth and no war. The Jews were sure the Messiah was coming to deliver them from Rome. But 
But that's not the peace that is being spoken about, that is being proclaimed by the angels. See, that the Hebrew idea of peace is shalom, shalom. Which means not just freedom from war, but it's, it's health and well-being, prosperity, security, soundness, completeness. I've heard many testimonies of people that are very wealthy or very popular and famous or very powerful. And they talk about having a void in their life that no amount of money or pleasure can fill. And they turn to drugs and alcohol to, to numb this pain of this void. And they can't do anything about it no matter how good their external circumstances are. See, the issue is, we are all made by God, and we were all made to have relationship with Him. Back to Genesis again. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. Face to face, they had communion with Him. But when they sinned, they now became dead in their trespasses and sin. They became separated from God. Now there's a void in their life that they can't fill because they don't have the main ingredient to the purpose of their existence, relationship with God. So they stumble through, and so many of us stumble through our lives without purpose, without meaning, with with pain and hurt, that nothing will fill until we have peace with God. It says actually in James chapter 4, verse 4, that we are enemies with God. Romans 8, 7 says the actions that we do or the the activities we participate in put us at enmity or at war with God. So before Christ in our lives, we are actually an enemy and in war with God. No wonder we have so many uh, mental health issues issues and problems and anxieties because we're not at peace with God. But in Romans 5, 1, it says, but we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus didn't just come, God didn't just send salvation, Yeshua, God the Lord is salvation, to deliver us from the bondage of the law, the power of sin in our life, the penalty of sin, but he saves us to a relationship with God, peace with God, restores everything the way it should be in the deepest part of our soul. So if there is war, If you've received the cancer diagnosis, the loss of job, the broken family, the rebellious child, there is a peace that passes understanding when you are in right relationship with God. And then when you have peace with God, you can have peace with yourself. And if you have peace with yourself, you can have peace with others, no matter the external circumstances. This is the good news. This is the good news of great joy. We have been saved from so much and saved to so much. Everything restored the way it should be. So the angels declare this the most monumental, important day in the history of our universe. And they proclaim it to who? Shepherds. Anonymous shepherds. The low working class every day, every man of... Jewish society. They don't proclaim this to the the learned, pious high priests who have somehow worked their way to this position in favor with God. They don't come to a king who by right of birth is somehow better than the rest of us. No, they come to the lowest rung of society because as Jesus says, I bring you a message that will be to all people. All people. 
Unlike our hockey gold, which was just for Canada, this victory is for all that would receive Jesus Christ. And I like the way there's the symmetry through the Bible. God is an incredible author. Of course, we know that Jesus himself is the Lamb of God in John 1, and that he becomes the good shepherd, John chapter 10. There's this nice flow for another sermon at another time, but it's important that God came and sent this message to these shepherds. Then what about these shepherds? What did they do with this message? Let's take a look. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this Christ. Those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds, skipping down to 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Two responses of the shepherds that I want to highlight here. The first is when they were told the message of this Messiah, that God has sent his salvation in the form of a baby, that Messiah had come, Jesus had come. They respond. They go and they seek Jesus. In verse 20, it says that they worship God. So there's, a, there's an internal response of belief and faith and acknowledgement that God has done this for them. As uh, Pastor Russell was saying, this is a good time to invite people out to church that may never come because it's the Christmas season. Maybe you are here this morning because it's the Christmas season and someone said you should come to church. Maybe this is the first time you've ever really heard about Jesus. You know a little bit, but you've never been in a church before and you don't know what this story is all about. Maybe all this talk about law and sin and power and penalty is new to you. I want to encourage you to respond to this gift of God, this salvation, that the answer to all the problems of your life, really, honestly, sin wreaks havoc in our lives and we're powerless to stop it. All of the, the envy that, that drives us and to materialism and so on, I, we don't need to go back down there, I already said it. But we get deliverance here and it's by faith accepting that Jesus is who the Bible says he is and did what the Bible says he did, which is died on the cross for our sins and rose again to new life, conquering sin and death. If you look at the front of our bulletin, it says a community of grace, even bigger than the name of the church. It's a big community of grace, Phil Pop Memorial Church. Because we understand here as a congregation that it's all about God's unmerited favor, his undeserved gift to us, that he saves us. It is grace. And we respond simply in believing faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans 4, 5, To him that does not work but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. The response of the shepherds was to go in faith, accepting that Jesus was their savior. There was no other way. They could not work their way to heaven. They could not earn forgiveness for the wrongs that they had done. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. And I encourage you this morning, if you've never heard that message before, there'll be a time at the end of the service, you come forward and talk to Pastor Russell or one of the elders or the prayer team and say, I need to know more about this Jesus Christ and what he has saved me from and what he has saved me to. After the shepherds responded in faith and went to see the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, they did something else. Verse 17 they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Now, I warned you, I'm a missionary. So it's not like I'm bait and switch here. There is a response. If you have been in this church for its 126-year history, I'm looking at you, Larry. If you've been here <laughs> all this time, reveling in the uncontainable joy that Jesus has saved you from your sins, the power and the penalty of it, has saved you in a right relationship with God, there's something here that you should be doing. Making widely known what you have learned about the child, about Jesus Christ. I'm trying my best not to quote Matthew 28, 19 to 21, go into all the world and make disciples. So I'm going to try a different verse. 1 Peter 3.15 Set aside Christ in your heart. And always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you with gentleness and respect. Always be ready. This joy that the angels couldn't contain but poured out into to our realm to proclaim glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. We shouldn't be able to contain it either. It should be pouring out of our very being, this joy, this hope. And if someone says, why are you like this? You say, let me tell you why I have such joy and hope. It's because of Jesus Christ and what he has saved me from and saved me to. Let me tell you what he has done in my life to bring peace. Practically, as in missions, we're always looking for a bridge. Because in missions, we're always working cross-culturally. I was just down in Haiti, just got home on Wednesday from a trip to Haiti. And there's a very specific way we present the gospel in Haiti. They believe in God, but there's a voodoo element there. So we try to bridge the gap and make some context to present Jesus Christ. Uh, the pastor of the church that I took down there, we were, we were just chatting afterwards about this idea of context and bridge. And he said, you know, something just occurred to me. A month or so ago, I got a knock on the door, and it was my Muslim neighbor with a big tray of food. And what's this? Ramadan has just completed. And it's part of the practice of Ramadan that when we break the fast, the last day, we have a feast, and we share the food with our neighbors. So we are sharing this with you. A little more dialogue explaining, and the guy, the Muslim gentleman says, this is the biggest day of our year. It's our Christmas. Andrew, the, the pastor, said to me, you know what, I realized I missed an opportunity. As soon as I get home, i got to give this guy a call and say, come over to my house for my Christmas. You see, Christmas is the biggest social event in our culture. You cannot go, you can turn on a secular radio station and they're playing Christmas carols. You can see ads from cars down to underwear and they're about Christmas. they got Christmas themes. You can't turn on a sporting event with a little holly in the corner. Seasons greetings. We spend more money on presents and entertainment in this month than we do almost the entire rest of the year. You can't go down a street in Hamilton without seeing Christmas lights, a Santa Claus, elves, reindeer, and so on. It is everywhere. 
I was really disappointed. I missed the uh, international Christmas dinner. Jeff, I'm sorry. I, honest, I was out of the country. I would have been here. We were, my wife and I, we, we hosted a table two years ago. We had a wonderful time. A uh, gentleman from Iran and his two sons, a couple from China and their child. And we just got to explain what is going on here about Christmas. And what does it really mean? Who helped out with the, the international Christmas last week? All right, then you guys are off the hook. Everybody else... You need to find someone to invite into your home for Christmas. Now, I can already hear the excuses. Oh, we don't have enough food. I have never been at a turkey dinner where there wasn't leftovers. It's a big bird. You have enough. Don't worry. No, my home's not good enough or clean enough. Don't worry. We just throw stuff in a laundry basket, hide it in the basement until they leave. That's our tip. You can take that one home. That'll help you. Missions 101. All right? Use this opportunity to share the good news of great joy with someone who doesn't know. It's, this is an easy one. It's a softball. Hit the home run. It's an empty net goal. Christmas. Explain what is the joy that is within you. Wrapping up, there's two other people or one group of people and one person left in our story here that we haven't talked about. One is the people that heard the message. Verse 18, all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. We don't know how they marveled. Did they marvel? Those guys are crazy. Angels? Or did they marvel? Wow, this is great news. I need to go hear about it. We don't know about them. But it says in verse 19 that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And let's ask Esther and the team to come up here. Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Again, maybe you've not heard the story of Jesus before. Maybe this is new. Meditate on it. Ponder it. Some versions say that she treasured this in her heart. All these things that were going on in this swirl in her mind. She was trying to take it all in. Take it in. Understand the situation of your, your existence, your sin without Christ, and your inability to do anything about it. The very meaning of Christmas is the Lord is salvation. He has come to save you. Perhaps you've heard this message a long time and you've been sitting on your hands for 400 years, not telling anybody. Now is the season. Now is the appointed time to tell of the hope that is in you. Take some time today. Be like Mary. Treasure this. Ponder it. Meditate on it. And then let's do something. The meaning of Christmas is the person, the name, the work of Jesus Christ. And like the angels and like the shepherds, we ought to tell everybody we know but the joy and the hope that is in us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ who in our moment of greatest need and desperation, you sent to us to save us. Save us from this burden of a law that we could not keep. Save us from the power of sin over our lives. Save us from the penalty of eternal separation from you to save us to peace with God, right relationship with our creator and loving father. Thank you. Thank you. I pray that we would be motivated like the angels, like the shepherds, to tell others this message of good news, of great joy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tim, for sharing with us this morning. Great job. Um, what a
challenging word this morning and want us to, I want us to read I want to read to you um, Colossians chapter 4 before we leave and and if there are those here you'd like uh, to receive prayer this morning please come and join us meet us here at the front after the service and we'll be glad to be able to pray with you for you and actually earlier this morning I was uh, drawn to Colossians 4 to kind of end this uh, service and it uh, it fits wonderfully with how um, Tim ended our the, the message. And the scripture says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray for an open door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ that I may make it clear. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. It's a great way to begin this week, isn't it? As we've just heard this message on the meaning of Christmas with a challenge to share. And here is some wonderful instruction. Watchful prayer. Praying for open doors to share the message. Walk in wisdom this week. Make the best use of our time. May our speech be gracious. And may God instruct us how to share specifically with people. Because everyone needs to be told the message in a way that impacts them as individuals. Would you pray with us? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this message of good news, of great joy for all people. And Lord, may your spirit empower us in a fresh way to share this news, to invite people into our lives, into our church, to hear the good news. Give us wisdom in how to share it. May our lives, Lord, be a demonstration of your grace. And uh, Lord, we pray you now dismiss us with your blessing. And again, empower us by your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. If you like prayer, please come and join us at the front.